All right, welcome to the Rewire Podcast. Uh, I have here today Joe Spector. Joe is a retired firefighter, um, a really interesting cat. We were just chatting before we got on the on the recording here that uh, we really feel like we kind of know each other. There's a bit of a parallel path there. Um, Joe's been through a lot in his life and has come through that through a transformation and is now helping other people with that. So Joe, it's uh, it's really an honor to have you. Brian, here it's an honor brother. to be here. I am so grateful that you invited me and that we're finally connecting in this forum. Yeah, amazing, man. Well, I wanted to jump right in kind of with your story and just kind of introduce you to people from my audience who who may not be familiar with you. And I know you've um, you've really grown your audience and, and uh, a lot of people are getting to know you. Um, and I just want to preface by saying like Joe is a real authentic dude. I mean, everything he does, you can see is coming straight from the heart. So I just you just can feel that. So I'm super excited about this. But Joe, um, I don't even know your entire story. I do know you're a retired firefighter. I do know that you've gone through some dark times and you've come through that with new tools and things. So maybe you could share a little bit about that. And, and I'd be happy to. to um, let me just say for a trigger warning for anybody, I definitely went through some things, including uh, a near miss with suicide and a lot of grief and loss. And if, if you'd like me to share authentically, I'm super, that's the best way I like to, that's the only way I know how to share, but it, it gets pretty dark and there's a lot of rain before the rainbow, if that's all right. That's okay. good, man. Yeah, please. Thank you. Well, um, so at 21 years old, I got hired by the police department. I did that job for three years and I loved public safety, but I, I didn't like so much the, I liked that I learned how to be assertive and confrontational because I needed that, but I don't dig confrontation. I like harmony. And I would always, you know, stop by the fire station, to use the restroom. And the guys were like playing ping pong and people were coming over, thanking them for saving them. And I'm like, man, this is the opposite of me getting in fights and everybody spitting on me and getting mad and stuff. So I ended up uh, switching over to the fire department. I was already friends with those guys. And uh, so I think I was 24 years old. I got hired by the fire department and that was like home. And I climbed the ranks there firefighter, engineer, and I was testing for captain in 2017 after about, I think six, just under uh, a little over 15 years on the job total with PD and fire. And um, I'd spent about two years testing for captain. And that was my first journey into self-awareness and evolving because I really nerded out on the leadership stuff. Like they suggest that you read books and you do self-development and you figure out who you are as a person to be a leader. And some people take that seriously and some people don't. I was all in and it was so fun gaining influence and learning about myself and learning my patterns and my triggers and how to hold myself and be assertive and balance, you know, uh, compassion with leading and uh, discipline and all that stuff. And life was going really good. My kids were little, I think maybe three and four. Um, I've been with my wife since we were 16 in high, in high school and uh, everything was good um, or, or it seemed so on the surface. Uh, and then I had a really, really, really hard year where I went from like living the dream at the top of my game to like everything just falling apart. Um, the first thing that set that off was I got hurt on the fire truck. I had a previous injury of neck, some bulge discs and stuff. Well, I had a secondary injury, which ended up, it was a brain injury. It caused some neurological damage and some herniated discs and none of the doctors would clear me. So when I was just about to get promoted to the pinnacle of this thing I'd been working so hard for, it was the opposite. It wasn't like you're climbing the ranks. It was like your career is over and it's, it's over just as you're about to get this thing that like, I, I honestly, I'd never put more into anything. Like it was two years of grinding, like 
I mean, 24 seven. And I was so excited for it. It was this competitive test. One guy beat me, he got promoted. So I was sitting on the top of the list. There was another captain. There's like, it was like, you know, 40 people took this test. I was sitting in this number one spot. There was another captain who was about to retire and I was getting to get her spot. So they put me in the position. I had my own truck. I was acting as captain. I was getting paid as captain. And then it was like, no, man, you're retiring and your neck, you're in chronic pain all day long. Thank God for our benefits. But it's like my first six figure year turned into my income being cut in half. So it was like, I had a little financial margin, but not enough to have my income cut in half. And also there's a lot of identity wrapped up in being a firefighter. Even if you, I wasn't consumed with it. I have a really good work-life balance and a lot of friends outside of the fire service, but it's just, it's different when you belong and you're going to work, having fun with your brothers and sisters, doing your passion every day. And then all of a sudden you're at home. And that was just the beginning of things. Um, I, I think we've counted last count. It was like 10 or 11. We lost 11 loved ones, like in a row, like the day I medically retired, one of my best friends on the planet got into a horrible car accident and got killed had another friend overdose had another friend shoot themselves in the head. My mom had been kind of getting what we thought was dementia and it was clearly dementia over the, that year. She couldn't remember who I, I was. She was, uh, she couldn't remember my children. We couldn't bring her around bring them around her anymore. My wife lost her mom and both her grandparents. We lost two dogs. This is all like every week we were sitting down with our children to another death notification. We were, it's so hard because I was full of heartache and so was my wife, but we were trying to support our children too. They were so little and it was like, grandma's dead, great grandma's dead, grandpa's dead, the dog is dying. And the, my kids were just like shattered and we had like counselors helping us to deliver these notifications and we were learning about children's emotions and grief, but I was trying to shop doctors and one was telling me I needed surgery. The other one was telling me don't get surgery. I couldn't pay my medical bills. I couldn't go to, there was, I missed almost every funeral, like very important funerals. And it just was like, one thing after the other, after the other. And that's like the rapid fire version of a year where like I started having PTSD, which I had never experienced on the job, but like calls that never bothered me all of a sudden my nervous system was just out of whack. And I kept getting phone calls that were death notifications. So every time I'd answer the phone, it was like, I'm a meditator, you know, my heart rate's like in the fifties, it's like 150 just from the phone ring. Cause I'm like, Who, who's right. dead now? And what's going on now? You know? And um, and then my children were just falling apart over that year. Like well-adjusted kids couldn't, they were getting kicked out of school. They were like, they, they just, they struggled hard cause they were losing, like their world got shattered. Like it started with dad's no longer a fireman to like grandma doesn't recognize you anymore to great grandma's dead to Ruby and Roxy both have cancer, both my dogs to X. Da, da, da. So they just like their little emotions and their hearts got broken. And, um, my wife and I got really disconnected during that time. She started uh, drinking a lot and I, I have, she shares too. I have full permission. I'm not speaking like out, out of pocket on her. Um, we kind of do this journey together yeah. and um, we were just floundering. We were struggling so hard. And because I had done all of this self-development and I was into meditating and I was into emotions and because like I'm a firefighter, we're super resilient. We can push through. I think that was like my biggest weakness. My strength and my fortitude were my biggest weakness because my body and my mind hit a tipping point long before I realized it because I was, I never wanted to quit. I was like, I can get through this. I can get through this. How do I get through this every day? God, how do you help me through this? Like I got to support my family. I can go. And then all of a sudden I just had a real on, on top of that bad year, I had a really, really bad day. And it was like, 
part of my neurological stuff is my jaw locks up sometimes and they give me these dry needling. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it really opens up my jaw. So my jaw was locked. I had been like breaking teeth. It was terrible. And I was, I had a physical therapy appointment. I was so excited to get the dry needling, but on the way there, I got called by the school principal and my daughter was having difficulty. So I had to divert from physical therapy. I'm in pain. I had to go pick her up. She was melting down. I kind of got her settled down, you know, um, it's very hard, but like we learned mirror neurons and softening up It's like how you connect with the children, but that's very hard yeah. when your nervous system is fight or flight. So kind of like worked her through that. And I got a call from my dad that my mom had escaped cause he was full-time caretaking for her. And she was running down central Avenue, trying to get in people's cars, almost getting hit by a car. So I had to like get my daughter set up. I was chasing my mom. She's fighting me. Doesn't recognize me. People are like honking. It, it was just a really bad day stacked on top of a lot of bad days. And, um, I don't remember exactly what happened. My, my wife and I, she got home and she might've been drinking. We were, we were fighting for sure. I remember she was yelling and, um, I, I still don't know if I'll ever unpack this. I lose track of the moment, certain moments. Like, I, so I had all of those things happen. I remember the, my wife, she threw a watch at me. And then the next thing I know I'm in a parking lot. So I, I I've lost the drive. I, I don't really know still. I might unpack it someday. I don't know. Um, but all of a sudden, I was literally in the front seat of my Toyota 4Runner in a parking lot that I was unfamiliar with, and I was alone. There was nobody around, and I had my gun in my mouth, and I was like ready to pull the trigger, and I was starting to put pressure on the trigger, and it was so weird because I like woke up there. You know what I mean? Like I, I had like I don't know if I had a fugue state or like I don't I still don't quite get all of it, but I like woke up like about to kill myself and. I felt very compelled to do it. Like, it's very hard to explain. Um, like I had no choice. It wasn't like a thing where I was like, okay, I, I need to tap out. I want to do this. I think a lot of people think that about suicide too, like with selfish or whatever, dude, I, I felt like somebody else was in control of my body and I was, I felt like I had to die and I was bawling. I was wrestling with myself, but it was like, I think I was in so much pain. It was like my, I, the best way I describe it is like when your hand is on a stove and you have to pull it off. I felt like that was my relief. I had to do that. And it was like very physiological. I was in hives. I felt like somebody just hit me in the chest with a sledgehammer. I was bawling. I couldn't, my ears were ringing. It was, it was so intense, dude. And, um, I got one deep breath in. This is why I've, I think I mentioned to you a long time ago, meditation saved my life. Like I was trying so hard, dude. I was trying so hard and I was able to one breath, cut that cycle. And I was able to get the gun out of my mouth. And it was so weird, dude. It was like a trance was broken. Like I was able to get the gun was now the enemy. I couldn't get away from it. It was like, it, I, I still don't understand it, but I, I threw the gun in my glove box. I like launched myself out of my forerunner because I, I couldn't get away. I was like fight or flight. I like had to get away, you know, and I flew onto the freaking pavement, boom, and I already have a neck injury. And I just rolled over and I started puking, dude, like just vomiting like crazy. And that was my moment of deep surrender, dude. I, I was praying so hard, but it wasn't like this, like our father, I was like, help me God, like, please like help me. I'm, I'm tapping out, dude. I'm done. Help me. Like I, I could feel it in my core that I wouldn't kill myself. Like I can't explain how, but it's held true six years later. Like I knew it, it was like, there was a threat that I didn't know existed. Yeah. Now I knew it existed. 
I will not succumb to it, but nothing has changed. And I don't really know how to cope because obviously I'm broken and my family's broken. Everybody's failing. Like I'm failing as a dad. My children don't feel safe in their home. My wife is floundering. Like I was this leader a minute ago and like everybody who I'm in charge of is, or not in charge of, but like, you know, who leans on me is falling apart. And my finances that were so good are falling apart. And like my career is gone. And it just was like, I was broken, dude. I was entirely broken. And I recovered a little bit, like, you know, cleaned myself up. I called one of my really good friends, Branley, another fireman. And I, I said, dude, I, you're not going to believe this, but I just almost killed myself. Uh, I don't think I'm a risk anymore, but will you take my gun? I, I don't know what's what right now. And so I drove to his house. He hugged me. We cried. I gave him the gun and I got home and I don't, I'm a little fuzzy on these details, but like my wife and I had like a come to Jesus meeting with each other. And it was literally like, I have to tell you, I just almost killed myself and you're drinking every day and our kids are falling apart. And like, this isn't sustainable. We got to get out of this. And she was awesome. She, she took some little time to a little research and she came to me and said, I want to go to this outpatient clinic called the meadows, which is local here. I need help. And I'm like, good, you know, and we started looking at it, it was the one blessing. Like we had spent so much money on healthcare and counselors. The, the union was helping me pay for medical bills. Like I was, but we had met our deductible. So she was able to get this like really expensive treatment for like, I don't remember. It was like a thousand bucks. I borrowed from my dad for the like, you know, 5% deductible or whatever. And that was like the beginning of us climbing our way out of it. This is a long story. Do you want me to break it all or keep going? No, man. This, okay. No, please um, keep going. So over the next few weeks, she got checked into outpatient. Um, we ended up um, doing a little bit more counseling with our children. And I ended up buying, I nerded out on wellness. Here's what happened. She was gone for like eight or nine hours a day, unpacking deep childhood trauma, doing sobriety work, getting in with a psychologist, like all the work that she hadn't done or even known that she needed to do because she had a really messed up childhood, but wasn't even aware of it. And like, 40 years of like work, she started doing it, doing the work. And while she was doing the work, I was at home with the kids and I was doing my own version and our version of the work. We bought all of these grief workbooks for children, emotional regulation and anxiety books for children. And basically my wife would leave and my kids would sit around the table and we would all do our little workbooks. My son struggled with anxiety. My, they each had different struggles, but we, we worked through them. And I was learning so much about my own emotions from these, because it's wild. Like I still, I use a lot of the stuff I learned with my kids, with the firemen now, like name it to tame it, how to label your emotions, all these cute little rhymes. They, I should have been taught this stuff as a kid. So we're working together and then we were doing like yeah. kids yoga and meditation and stuff. And then after an hour or two or whatever, they were done with their work, you know, I'd let them have a screen or whatever. And then I would go to work and I just like, I took every master class on mindfulness and how to regulate uh, and, and manage chronic pain through like, I was already a meditator, but I went deep dude, like deep and, um, took like, uh, John Kabat-Zinn's course on mindfulness-based pain reduction. And I, I started, I, I, I got a couple graduate textbooks on like, uh, um, post-traumatic growth. Like I nerded out, dude, I was all over the place. Just like taking all of my drive and my ambition that I've had my whole life as like an overachiever and like applying it to doing the work and getting healthy. And, um, I, I wasn't in therapy at the time because my wife was gone. I was my kid. So I was just kind of like putting myself through therapy and we just kind of like inch by inch climbed our way out of that. I mean, it was like, I'm going to summarize it, but it was like a year or two of that. And everything started like 
falling into place. We built up our coping skills. We learned how to grieve. We processed like as a family, you know, and uh, I'm getting, these are happy tears now. I'm getting emotional. Like we grew together and like my children went from like average to like way down here to like, <laughs> my children sound like the most emotionally regulated adults. Now they're, they're 10 and 11. You wouldn't believe the introspection and the awareness and the ability to help others and themselves and communicate and bounce. Like my kids are dialed in, dude. Like this is one of the beautiful things of all of this, you know, even grief, like we've lost a couple other people since then and they know how to grieve. They know how they lean in dude. And it's amazing. And my wife and I kind of like, I almost want to say like a, butterfly in the cocoon. We kind of broke everything that we had from our unconscious childhood relationship because we were like 16. And we kind of like rebuilt ourselves and then rebuilt our marriage together while all of this was going on over the next few years. Like we, we kind of started over from a healthy place and, you know, from principles and values and connection and love and authenticity and support and empathetically listening and did a lot of marriage therapy at her facility where they taught us how to communicate feelings to each other and balance needs and resolve conflict peacefully. And my whole family just went to school for a few years. And then, um, as we got super healthy, which again, I'll break if you want, cause we're segueing now into like the healthier part, but that was how I broke. Oh yeah. Keep going, brother. Yeah. So yeah, this was gradual. I'm kind of going rapid fire on it, but as we started to get healthier, we, we hadn't socialized in a couple of years because my kids were melting down. Like they were bananas for a while and it was no fault of their own, but we really couldn't go out. Like my wife was drinking. I was just coming over suicide. My kids were haywire. So like we lost some relationships and all of a sudden we started getting back in the world. And like, I started, it's kind of hard, but I had to like share with a lot of my close friends. Like, here's why you haven't talked to me in a while. Here's why I've been blowing you off. Here's what's going on. And I was like nervous and embarrassed to share until the first guy broke down back to me and said, I almost killed myself too. And then I was like, Whoa, okay. I wasn't ready for that. And then it was like the next guy and then the next guy. And then my wife was sharing and you know, a lot of her friends were drinking and she didn't know it. Like in all, it was like, okay, we got to talk about this. These dialogues need to start happening because we're just sharing and people are like looking for it so much that they're like breaking down left and right. I can't believe how many of my people are struggling too, you know? And, uh, so then I just started talking more about it. I started getting more comfortable and it was like all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, it was like over a year, but like so many firefighters, even from the neighboring departments who I didn't even know were calling me and saying, Hey, so-and-so told me to call you that. And, and I'm, I just realized, like I learned everybody in specific, everybody probably, but my people, firefighters, like it's a suicide epidemic. We're more likely to die by suicide than any other cause of death. And so many of us are struggling and 48% of us are fit, dependent on substances and nobody's talking about it. And I started getting angry because I, I started realizing like my people are hurting and they're training us on every single thing, like a roof collapse. I don't know. I was a firefighter for almost 15 years. I never had a roof collapse, but I can tell you I've lost two friends to suicide already and almost killed myself. Why are we not talking about this? Right. I was getting pissed because it's uncomfortable and people don't want to. So I was like, I'm blowing the lid off this. I started talking to chiefs. I started like telling people like you have a problem. And some people were very receptive. Some people were very resistant. And so I started the podcast and I started to go on Instagram and that's where all that, where we connected. And I was like, I'm going to shout this to the rooftops. Yeah. And that's been like the last year. And then what's weird is the culture has shifted just in 12 months. It went from like, I was getting pushback. So I went an alternative route to like, I'm being invited to create training and to give talks and to share my journey like we're doing here. And like the departments are investing in emotional fitness now. Like we, it, it took a lot, like 
it's undeniable statistics. The CDC has put out a call to action for first responder suicide. Like, I mean, they, they, it's like my friend Branley, who I gave my gun to, he says the fire service is 150 years of tradition uninhibited by progress. Like the tradition, like they, they, it's hard to make change and have progress, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. happening. And I'm so proud. Like right. guys right. are talking, chiefs are yeah. training and it's, so that's where I was telling you, I started to burn out because it was like, all of a sudden I went from like, I'm trying to shout to the rooftops to like speaking engagement, speaking engagement, training gig. Can you talk to this guy? Crisis response. Da, 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 da. And so I'm like the only guy in the Valley right. that's like doing this. It's weird. And, but there's a huge thirst for it. And I'm not the only person, but I'm, I'm the only person uniquely doing it like this and who's created because, and who's created training and right. resources right. specifically for, I took all of the stuff that my family learned and I created like an ebook and a journal and a podcast for anybody, but for first responders. And I gave it away for free for years. And then all of a sudden they're like, can we use this as training? The guy's already using it anyways. And I'm like, yes. And so now we're just yeah. in this place where we're healthy. We're happy at home. We resolve conflicts peacefully. It's not perfect, but it's damn near. And we're sharing and you and I connected. I, I, the very first I got on Instagram, I'd never even had an Instagram account. And I don't even remember how your page got put in front of me if I saw it when I was learning hashtags or whatever, but it came up on my feed and it was a post about how you, your similar journey. And I was like, Whoa, okay. I didn't know if I was going to like Instagram or not, but I like Instagram. I'm connected here. Like I feel so i instantly, you're the fir very first person I connected with. And it was on a very deep level. And that was that DM exchange we had. And that's what led to here. Thank you for listening to all that. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness, brother. Well, thank you for sharing it, man. I, I, uh, I had to take my glasses off. I was, I was steaming up there. I was with you. Um, yeah. What, what a, what an incredible story. And I mean, I hope everybody listening to that can was, you know, can see though you, what you can come through and, and come through the other side because Joe, I only know you from that first connection and Instagram, you'd already gone through so much and had done so much work. And I want to talk a little bit about the work because that is really what's required. But anyway, I'm so grateful that you made it through brother and, and, you know, your wife and your children and and like what a what a difficult sequence of events i mean life you know life it's so interesting sometimes when you know bad things they say happen to good people but life is hard it's just hard sometimes and and we don't have the tools and i'm so happy to hear that um, you're helping people with those tools um so when you dug into the to the mindfulness piece afterwards you get to that point you did the work i mean that all of that resonates so much with me as well. There's a there's a saying that one of my teachers said that you want liberation from suffering like a drowning man needs air like it, there is that urge to do it and not everybody is in a place or a crisis where they want to go that all in with the work. And I think that you know, that's uh, important to get there. So how do you approach that with people then who I mean, obviously, you work with a lot of people who are really in need. And then there's people who may have that sense of awareness that you described back in 2017 when you started the, the the captain training you're like oh okay and then suddenly that door of awareness kicks open things are changed forever suddenly you're kind of out of autopilot you're noticing the things and your your, your patterns and programming a little more clearly um, but how do you typically approach it with somebody who is not comfortable maybe not in the, a really dark place and to get them to to start on that path like that's a, a great question dude and i also i use that phrasing a lot i felt like i was drowning and i just needed to come up for air it was interesting you said that i say that all the time not having never heard that externally it was just one of those common things probably when you start the practice and you hear a bunch of people saying what you're already thinking and saying you know um 
yeah. with people who are in the position you're talking about, I'll do one of two things. Um, I'll share with them that there's a lot of tools that can enhance their, you know, have you ever heard a marketing term called, I'm going to mess this up because I don't know, I'm learning marketing for last year, but like sell the people what they want, but give the people what they need. I sell my friends on like happiness and joy. Like you can be happy as fuck, bro. But like right. what I'm really <laughs> saying is you need to unpack right. your emotions because yeah. your children are suffering and your inner child isn't nurtured, but they don't want to hear that part. Right. So sometimes sharing the truthful right. thing, like, you know, right. like, dude, you can <laughs> radically amplify your joy. You can have conflicts with your wife without it being a fight. It can actually build a bridge, you know, or I'll ask provocative questions. Right. That's the biggest thing I'll do. Or I'll just leave them alone. Let them know, Hey, here's a seed. I have these tools that help me. I'd like to share my right. story because I never thought I was at risk and I could help you out, but also it's available if you need it. And if not, you know, that's okay too. You know, everybody's at their own path. And a lot of times pain is the catalyst to that yeah. Transform yeah. transformative desire for growth. And they're not there yet. And thank God. Um, but I, a provocative questions to get to the root of your, to answer your question, like, oh, I don't need that or that stuff's weak or whatever. Like, Hey man, do you ever get cut off in traffic and you are like screaming and yelling and your 10 year old is watching you would you do you like that's disempowering like would you like to have the ability for this idiot to cut you off in traffic and for you to be able to take a breath and just enjoy your coffee and get back to the music or do you like throwing childish temper tantrums like a 10 year old because that's not cool bro you know or like the challenge, <laughs> it depends on your audience firefighters i can right. challenge a little bit we can get testy with each other and yeah it's it's not toxic right. it's in fun right, right, and i know right. how to do that you know but it's like hey man it's cool if you like throwing temper tantrums i mean there's skills that you can learn by the way but then i'll tell them no yeah. judgment i used to also <laughs> man i punched holes in walls it's embarrassing but I, I did it. I'm super authentic sure. with all of my shortfalls because that's a very important part of the process. I think, yeah. um, I'm, I'll ask them to yeah. like, um, how, how do you teach your children about emotions? Like when they're getting bullied or like, how do you resolve conflicts with your wife? And then let the, I like to talk and I'm fast, you know, but dead air, a provocative question with yeah. letting the air hang and letting them either evoke those questions mm. or come to their own conclusions. That seems to be the most effective method for me to help my brothers and sisters maybe see something a little bit that they're not seeing yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. And it, it, you do have to actually speak to where they're at. And it's funny. Um, well, you can't help people unless they want to help themselves. At the end of the day, that's what I've learned the hard way. I've had so many people reach out, my, my brother-in-law, my sister, my husband. I no, <laughs> when they're ready, let's go, right? But I love the term emotional fitness and, and I don't really know anybody else. Honestly, like there's a, there's, it's a big world out there. Emotional intelligence is everywhere. Emotional fitness. Not too many people use that term. And I love that you use that term because I think people really get that, especially, you know, people, um, who, you know, who have trained in the gym, you know, like, which many people do, they train their bodies, but they're not doing that inner work at all. They're not working on the emotional regulation piece. Um, how would you just, you know, first of all, just define emotional okay, so fitness. You reminded me that is how I reach them because firefighters are all meatheads. We all are. And we all love the gym. And so it's like, Hey bro, sets and reps. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's such a because fitness, right. I think spiritual fitness, <laughs> mental fitness, emotional fitness, physical fitness. It's like, I share with them, dude, you, you like physical fitness because you, if you have diabetes or you need a heart surgeon, of course you want them there. But like, wouldn't you rather diet and exercise? And that's why you like to be fit. So you never get there. Well, the same thing applies with your emotions, either a, it's going to prevent you from getting in a crisis, like a stroke or a heart attack, like physical fitness, or B, if you're an athlete already, 
there's nothing wrong from going from functional to exceptional. You like hitting PRs and you love being a beast. Be a beast at responsiveness instead of reactiveness. Be a beast at happiness. Be a beast at empathy. Right. Like you can grow these right. muscles. And I, all of those analogies are so easy to share with these guys who have been hitting the gym their whole life. And it's just like, hey, man, I also challenge them a little bit. Like, have you ever investigated? Like a lot of them think they're good. And I'm like, a, lot, a question I like to ask is, how do you know? Have you ever have you ever investigated that? Like, like for the fire department, we'd get a cancer scan, a full body scan every year. I tell the guys we go, we, we, you know, we get blood work done. We do a 12 lead EKG and a treadmill test. And a lot of guys who look fit have had early detection on cancer and heart disease because of those tests. I gave a talk the other day at, at the fire department in front of like a hundred guys, it was filmed and everything. And I said, I told them, I said, I said, we do that physical fitness uh, physical every year. When I worked for you guys, I went every year in the name of prevention. I said, you know what else we do in the name of prevention? One of those rooms at that doctor's office, a guy sticks a glove on and puts his finger right up our butthole guys. I said, are you more comfortable getting a finger up your butt yeah. in the name of prevention than you are talking about your feelings? And they were cracking up, but it's like, it's true. The guys will voluntarily go get a prostate yeah. exam in the name of prevention because prostate cancer kills. And I'm like, suicide and depression and addiction kill too, bro. Just talk about it, investigate it for right. a minute. And yeah, that's another way it yeah. resonates because as silly as that is, it's a hundred percent true. Every guy goes to our physical thousands of firefighters in Arizona, doesn't even think about it. If they're old, over 35 years old, finger up the butt and then talks about how right, terrible right, it was. Right. Yep. They're unwilling to say, Hey, that call was rough. I'm struggling <laughs> in my marriage. Parenting is hard. Like, bro, come on. It's okay. Right. And also to all challenge their bravery. I'll tell them. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, Hey, to cry or to talk about your feelings requires a lot of bravery. And if, if you're not there yet, cause you're new at it, that that's okay. And that's true, but also it challenges them yeah. because they're like, I'm brave enough to do that. I'll talk about it, you know, but I always in a playful way, never in an yeah. aggressive or judgmental way. That's just like how I meet my people. Cause that's the language we speak to each other, you know? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. You, you, you've, you've got a gift with that brother. I mean, and you mentioned something earlier as well, you know, the, the inner child thing and you can't, you can't lead with that. And that's something actually, I think that a lot of people have to discover over time to realize that, that, you know, that little Joe, that little Brian is still in there. And that's the one that's, you know, punching holes in the wall and, and screaming in traffic. And, and when you really unpack it, but that's not something that people can recognize right away. And you can't talk to them about it. They have to kind of discover that over time through these practices. And, you know, so I often use the, uh, the, you know, the phrase that you know, self-care is the practice every day. And then over time, self-love is the feeling great, that comes the from that. But how do you get people to stick with the practices? So, you know, you've got somebody now they're engaged. Okay, Joe, I want you to help me, help me, uh, um, you know, develop my emotional fitness. And we know if you go to the gym, you know, you, 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 you do this, you eat this, you know, over time, things start to change. You can see it, physically see it. And, and it is the same with emotional fitness. You will notice that, you know, you're a little happier, you're a little more calm. That thing didn't trigger you. You've got just enough space between that reaction to, to make it, uh, take that deep breath, you know, and, and bring it back down. But how do you get people to stick with it? Because this, these are just for a lot of people, meditation or breath work or, or a number of different practices, journaling, gratitude practices, all these things, there's a lot of science to back it up, but people really have a hard time sticking with it. So how do you get people to stick with it? That, which I think is, a, it is one the, of the biggest challenge. And a lot of times I fail at that. And I just, I can't get people to stick with it because like you mentioned, they're not ready to, but I have tried to make it as friendly as possible to the audience who I'm speaking to. So like 
I've created meditations that use swear words and fire and fighter analogies in them. I, can I, can I swear on here? I don't mm. want to overstep. I think I already did. I'll tell, like my meditation oh, yeah, says yeah. like, cool, Hey, cool. Yeah, for you know, sure. this is an anchor point meditation. It's going to teach you how to focus your attention. Why do you want to do that? Because your brain is a dickhead and it's going to try and take your attention and put it on all the stuff that makes you fucking unhappy. <laughs> so you need to empower yourself and take back the wheel. And I say things yeah. like that in the meditation because that we have crass language on the fire truck. That's how we operate. And nobody wants to hear like woo -woo yeah, spiritual stuff, sure. even though I love it. So I feel like I'm like a translator often. Like I'm not teaching anything new. It's what I learned, yoga studio, meditation, counselor, but nobody's speaking it to like masculine dudes or firefighters in the language that we speak. And so I'm almost just like teaching right. the things that helped me stick in there. So speaking their language is the first part. And then the second part is just like physical fitness, small baby steps, incremental steps with little victories that help them feel good and win like you were just describing. So, um, in fact, it, it happened to a friend of mine yeah. today. He was telling me about a conversation that he had, uh, with his wife and he wanted to respond. This is literally like an hour ago or before we started, he wanted to respond and he wanted to like react and he knew he'd shoot himself in the foot. And for the first time ever he, he didn't. And I was like, can we time out, bro? Like, I need you to know that people take like 10 years to get to that. Like you, you've been doing this work, you created mm. space. And a minute ago you were reactive. I was like telling him, this is what we call reactive. You had an external circumstance and an emotion and you usually react impulsively, habitually from a pattern you created space and you chose how to respond. And that's some gangster shit. And we need to pat ourselves on the back for that. And we need to tell ourselves yeah. like, good job, dude, right. which again, I'm saying, tell your inner child, but I'm not saying that. I'm like, you need to tell yourself just like you would tell your kid. He's got kids like good job, bro. Like that's amazing. Recognize the wins. And yeah. they, they feel good eventually because then it's like, I'm like, notice that bro. And then it's like, okay, he notices that. And then the next time he does it. And then the next time, and then all of a sudden the fights are fewer and further between or he feels better. Same thing with like a yoga nidra meditation. Yeah. I do one. And, but like I say, like, this is to restore your nervous system because the shit show of a circus of your life is never going to stop. And the only thing you can control is, you know, your internal mechanisms, but I just walk them through a body scan or whatever. And I ask them like, Hey, will you commit to me to like yeah. three days doing this in the middle of the afternoon and do three days of these firefighters who are perpetually in a hypervigilant nervous system turned on of doing yoga nidra. I'm shocked that it doesn't take a lot of convincing they're on board because they're like one guy said the other day, he goes, I don't really know if it's the ice bath and the meditating, but I've had the best sleep in the last three or four days that I've had in like 25 years. And I'm like, it's the fucking ice bath and the meditating, bro. Like keep going, dude. And it's like, they start yeah. to feel it yeah. like you said. So I just try to offer ways that they can achieve those feelings in small incremental steps that they understand and surrender to the guys who don't want to do it. That's okay. That's their path too. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's funny. We were chatting a little bit about the ice bath. Um, earlier and I know I know you're you're a, a coal plunger as well but I mean as far as the nervous system goes like it's such a powerful tool it's one of my favorite tools for for regulating the nervous system over and over and over again putting yourself in that stressful situation overcoming it with the breath um you're out you're in Phoenix so I, I mean you guys like the hot weather out there but uh um that that's a powerful practice. Is that something you do every day? I think yeah, you, uh, we recently got a freezer and Quite we got awful. a, a custom, like a bed. Uh, we got a bed liner sprayed in oh, it nice. and got uh, my buddy yeah. Branley, the same guy who helped me with my suicide recovery, um, helped me. He set it all up with like the thermostat, yeah. like it's digital temperature and everything. And my wife and I are in there three or four days a week minimum. And my wife, oh, amazing. It's this is how pre I know you're so into the cold plunge 
this is how powerful this practice is. She fucking hates it and always has, but she was tracking her symptoms, her good days or bad days when things were really in the thick of it and what was working and what wasn't. Every day she had a bad day was when she didn't cold plunge. Every day she had a good day was when she did. She feels so good afterwards. It's like one of the biggest tools in her mental health toolbox and she still hates it, but she does it because it's so effective. Like for somebody who like, I don't mind it that much. I mean, I don't like it. I don't want to do it in the morning, but like, whatever I'm used to, you know, firefighting. I'm used to getting tattooed. I don't mind pain and stuff for somebody who hates it to go in there and force themselves. It's such powerful medicine. And, uh, it's almost euphoric, dude, isn't it? Like when you get out, like you, it, it's, I don't know. I kind of David Goggins myself in the morning. I don't want to get, I'm like in bed, it's all warm. And I'm like, come on, you fucking pussy, get in that water. You're going to do it, you little bitch. And yeah. not in a yeah. demeaning way. That's just my, I grew up in the streets and now I'm a fireman. And I'm yeah. like, and, and, then, no. and then I get in that water and I get out and I yeah. tell myself, told you motherfucker, you could do that. You're a, you're a badass motherfucker. And then I'm like, there's yeah. the mental side of the confidence building because I push through, but then there's the euphoria from the the slow steady dopamine release and all that stuff and it's just like i don't even need the coffee i'm like walking my dog and i'm like damn for four minutes what a bang for your buck on your happiness and your wellness yeah no kidding man i'm I'm so happy that that's the first of all the science has caught up to that thanks to uh you know huberman and those guys who have really kind of um you know, put the benefits there in, in a form that people can understand, but simple things like cold and breath, you know, those two practices, you know, we talk about, you know, some, some of the, some of the men who don't like the word meditation or really can't even sit still for a lot of people, they sit to meditate. You know, the first thing I hear is that, I, you know, I can't stop the voices. I can't stop the, the, the noise. And, you know, that's really what it is. The fact that you actually notice that's happening versus unconsciously allowing that to, to steer your life means you've got awareness and you're meditating, but deep breath work and cold. I mean, two things that just completely change your state right away and and completely change the trajectory of your day going forward. And, you know, I love that you do that in the morning. And I mean, my, my day as well, I mean, it starts, it starts early and I prime the pump every day. We don't wake up, you know, optimal moods every single day, certainly. Right. And, and by, but by the time I'm done that two hours, like there's the, there's the resilience. Like, let's go bring it. Love that, man. Yeah. I'm inspired. A lot of times I don't want to go in and I'll, I'll watch some of yours. Like you're going that ocean, dude, it looks so cold. And you guys just like, you can see, like you guys go in there like gangsters and you come out with big old smiles on your face and you just look like so happy and calm. And I'm like, see, like there's somebody else doing this, bro. You need to do it. Or I'll even watch the videos of myself (laughs) on the stories where I'm like, popping up out of the water. I'm like, let's go. I'm like, you need to get here, bro. Like this feels good. Don't forget because comfort we're always striving to be comfortable and that's creating a mental health crisis i think it's like the exact opposite not not in the way where like you want to be uncomfortable as far as unhealthy but like pushing yourself intentionally outside of your comfort zone is like the key to longevity and the body is a demand system and it goes oh shit i need to be able to cope with this these weights i'm lifting or this cold water or whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna and we it's like use it or lose it and so that's like making yourself use it because we're not primal anymore but we're primal beings, but we don't need to get in that cold water. We don't need to eat, you know, liver or whatever. But the reality is, is all of that stuff is like a huge fad right now because it works. Because when you start doing it, I haven't talked to anybody who switched to doing those primal types of modalities and hasn't had dramatic life changes. I don't know if you have, I have yet to talk to anybody who's tried these things and hasn't had like miraculous health and happiness, you know? Yeah, no, doing hard things. And then, you know, you point out something else, brother, that's important is is that community piece as well. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're if 
you know, you're, you're teaching people or you're just starting out, just having people like-minded people around you. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful time, I think right now, because there is a community growing. I mean, you know, you know, meeting, meeting uh, guys like you. I mean, I feel like I've known you my entire life. I've got a lot of brothers like that too, and sisters, you know, and it's like, we get together and we do these practices and these hard things, you know, where before it was maybe a more about a party or just something else. But I mean, and, and it's just raising the consciousness, it's raising the vibe and we're all healing and getting healthier and, you know, and we can actually track it, you know, it's, it's to your point, your sleep, if you're really intentional about those things and you should be, I mean, sleep is probably the top of the food chain. If you're not 100%. sleeping, you're fucking up, you're in trouble very, in a very short time, but all of those things add up and, it, and it's beautiful to have that community and, and support to just keep doing it. And Raise the vibe, heal the tribe. Harder. I love the words you said. And I wanted to tell you too, I love watching you meditate with your kids. It's awesome. I do it too. My, I love it. So when I see it, it's mm. like, I don't know. I, I, like you said, I feel like I've known you forever and like we're, we're such kindred spirits, dude. So I, you had mentioned a, a comment at the beginning of this, how you, you know, everything I put out is authentic and you love it hundred percent. Likewise on everything I see that you do, man, it's like, it resonates deeply and I'm proud. I'm honored to be part of it. And I, I love that we're doing the same stuff and we're connecting here and sharing. Thank you, brother. But I, and one thing I did want to ask you is, uh, was about your kids as well. I'm, um, cause you've done a lot of work with them. And I mean, it's incredible that they've been through some of the darker times and have come through that as well with, I, I can only imagine awareness beyond their years at this point. Do you have a daily practice or do you do something as a family as well? And like a meditation or like, you know, okay, how, that's how a great question. That? It ebbs and flows and changes as my children develop. And I really try and meet them where they're at. And my children have two entirely different temperaments. It's wild. I mean, they're so different. Um, so my son, He's got severe ADHD. Like, I mean, it's not even questionable. I mean, it's textbook. And um, I just recently started, I, I've been, he'll, he's game. Like he's always game to meditate or to do something that he doesn't even feel like doing. If I ask him, um, probably father, son, like, you know, sons like to, you know, shadow their dads around. Um, for a while we were doing the Calm yep, app. Yep. Uh, it was um, Kung Fu Panda had a meditation on there and stuff. But recently, um, he just turned 10. He's a little bit older and he's super emotionally intelligent, mature. One of the instructors on there, are you familiar with Jeff Warren? I love his meditation teaching. He's on the call no. map. He's like one of the main guys no. on there. And his, his meditation okay. course, like 30 days, how to meditate for beginners. I almost didn't do it because I'm not a beginner back to that conversation of always being a white belt. I, I've, I learned more about my yeah. meditation right. and my mind and my emotions in 30 days than I did of the previous 10 years of meditating. Like it was great, but he's got a meditation. He's got ADHD and I might too. I never got diagnosed. I'm pretty sure I do, but, okay. um, he's got a meditation course for ADHD that just came out. So my son and I have been doing that in the evenings and it's awesome. It's like, you can, he can be all over the place, crawling all over the bed. You know, he like encourages it, you know, cause there's like you said, there's so many different, just the awareness and the intention and is meditating. Um, so I try, I try every night. Yeah. I've been failing recently because this business has taken off and I accidentally have mismanaged my time. Generally I try every night and I haven't been doing this for like three weeks and this is why I'm struggling, but I go to my yoga studio. I hit, um, there's a yoga studio in Phoenix called yoga Pura and it's like, it's not like fitness yoga. It's like a lot of meditating, a lot of emotional regulation, a lot of nervous system reset, a okay. lot of original yep. yoga principles and it's awesome. So if I can hit that five thirty class every night and then come home and just spend 10 or 15 minutes intentional with my kids, even though that doesn't sound like a lot, 
it's micro moments. I think if you can spend hours with your kids and you're not connected versus I pass them in the hall, I give them a little tickle or a wink, like, you know, that just one second of engagement or a compliment, give my son knuckles as we pass by in the hallway, like those things cumulatively add up. So I try five or 10 minutes before bed, met, my son wants to meditate. My daughter doesn't. Um, but she will journal or she'll draw. Like she has a new journal. I don't even know where she got it. Uh, one of our neighbors got it for her for her birthday. But last night, that's what we did together. I said, what are you doing? She's like, I'm journaling. I said, are you doing my journal? And she's like, no, mm -hmm. check this out. And it was like a growth mindset kids journal. I'm like, this is even better than mine for you. It was a create your own future Wikipedia page. And yeah. dude, can I read it? Can I read it to you what oh, she wrote? Cool. It, <clears throat> I like that. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. yeah. Hold on one second. It, this this will blow you away. Blow sure. I, can you hear me? Okay. Okay. I, I knew I was going to need to share this, yep, but I had right. no idea with who or when, but it said Sophie Spector's future Wikipedia and life goals. Sophie Spector is a talented actor, singer, songwriter, and movie makeup specialist. She's big into meditating and mental health. I was, I was about to cry when I read this. This is not like, she didn't even know I was here. She wasn't doing it for me. I came up on there on the couch for our time. And I was like, what you doing? Oh. She's big into meditating and mental health. Her brother is can't really uh oh her brother is a gaming expert her dad is at the joe specter he is a famous mental health specialist <laughs> for fellow firefighters his, uh his her mom's leslie specter is turning 42 on december 20th uh oh uh and is very that dude that's today by the way I, I dimed her out on her age and is very well off um sophie has okay. sensory processing disorder and her brother has ADHD, regardless, though, they're doing very well. She's loving herself and others. She enjoys reading, drawing, hanging out with family. And overall, she's an amazing human. This is a kid who was like, hated herself was in crisis. It was I didn't even really get into that on here. I've talked about another podcast. She had deep depression, yeah. very young when we lost all those people. She would have nervous system dysregulation where she would cause harm to us and then she would come out of it and she would hate herself and for her to say she's loving herself hard is like amazing oh so oh. the practices differ but every oh. day i try and spend quality intentional time with some sort of love and engagement and emotional awareness stuff that meets them where they're at Yeah. Oh my goodness, brother. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, that is beautiful. And what a, what a phenomenal practice. And, and it's, you know, I, and I love to your point. I mean, kids personalities are very different. You know, my son and daughter are different, different things resonate. Um, but the journaling, the, the future self, um, practice that she's doing right now. I mean, she's, awesome. it's manifesting and that's fucking beautiful to hear that. I love that. I wrote that down because yeah, uh, that's amazing. And again, yes. Happy birthday, sure. Leslie. And happy birthday to your wife today too. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right, brother. Well, I feel like we could go on for, for a very long time, but um, I think we'll maybe leave it at that for today. But I wanted to just thank you so much, brother, for, for being here, for sharing this. I would love to do this again. And, and, you know, we can, there's so many places we could drill down on and go deeper with this. And, uh, you know, I'd love to do your podcast as well. And speaking about that, so how can people find uh, Joe and you know, and learn probably Instagram is the best way it is to. at the Joe Spector. Um, and that's kind of my hub where I really, um, it's interesting since the business has pivoted to the fire department, it really, 
that is kind of just my community now and my passion project. And like, that's where I crack the door open on yeah. these dialogues and stuff like that. So that's the best place to reach me. If anybody wants to, I offer content on there a couple of days a week on, you know, bite-sized tips on emotional regulation. I have a podcast too, but I shared with you, it's gone dormant. I'm hoping to revive it, but I, I need to work on climbing my way into a work-life balance right now. Um, so Instagram is probably the best way. And likewise, I would love to do this again. I'm so honored. This is such a beautiful conversation. I'm proud of you and proud to be associated with you. Thank you, brother. Just want to acknowledge you for all the work you're doing, my man. And I know um, just watching you the last year, watching your content and everything that you're doing evolve. I can't wait to see what, what's what's. Brian, you're the man. Thank so, you so much. Uh, I can. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it.